In uh, Judges chapter 6, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord, and so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And um, the uh, Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places uh, for themselves um, in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from the Midian and Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the lands and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. And they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they barely stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to the uh, starvation by the Midianites. And then the Israelites cried out for help, or cried out to the Lord for help. And then they, uh, as they cried out to the Lord uh, because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrath, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. You know, you read that, and there's a lot more to that, you know, um, Gideon certainly had his, his discourse and his interaction with the angel of the Lord, and he asked for confirmation. Uh, he wanted to be assured uh, uh, that it was the Lord uh, directing him, uh, and it was also his, uh, he wanted confirmation that the Lord was going to give him success. And so, you know, there's a few things today I want to take out of this message that I believe will be helpful uh, to us as we've come here. And, um, you know, I, I at first thought to myself there would be three, but there's really four things. And the first would be uh, that we, we know who God says that we are. You know, um, there's a lot of people in the world today that will make these kind of statements. You know, I'm trying to discover my identity. I'm trying to find out who I am. You know, I'm trying to uh, you know, find purpose in life. All of these things, there are people, they don't, you know, there's an identity crisis in this world, and it afflicts so many people who walk this earth today. You know, there's so many people who are always trying to find themselves, uh, trying to discover who it is that they are and why they are here. And as you and I as believers look at this today, we realize that they're never going to find the answer to that without God. Because God is the missing part of every life that is lived without Him. It is, that, it is the absence and the void in a person's life that can only be satisfied in Christ that is missing. 
And, you know, the world will never acknowledge that. And, you know, people will explore and experiment. And they will run all over the world to try to find something that will help them to better understand who they are. And so you have people who give themselves to relationships, uh, to experiences, to indulgences. Uh, You know, people who withdraw from healthy living, trying to find out who it is they are. And, you know, it's very important for we as the church, if we're going to help the world to know who it is that God has purposed for them to be, you know, we as the church have to know who we are. I mean, we have to know who we are. We cannot be conformed to the image of the world. We have to be transformed, right? There's a devil. He can't be pressed into the mold of the world. And it, this is a critical message today because there are so many people who identify as followers of Christ who really aren't walking as though they know who they are. They're not living their lives as though they really understand who it is they are. And perhaps we have allowed the world to inundate our thinking to the point where we see ourselves from a secular point of view, a godless perspective. We see our circumstances from a godless, faithless perspective. And we're ineffectual in everything, almost every aspect of our Christian walk. You know, our prayers are ineffectual. Our witness is really... Uh, is is not really a witness that can be counted upon. You know, if you if you you, uh, you you take the witness stand in a court of law, your testimony is going to be attacked. It's going to be. And when I say that, uh, one time I I was uh, called to uh, provide a um, a piece of testimony about an individual in a church that had 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 issues with the law, and you know the Lord has. I had no idea what I was prepared for. I had no. I had really no counsel about anything other than I was just going to make a simple statement about what who I knew that person to be. And I got to tell you, uh, they they sliced me up one side down the other, and by the time I stepped off of that stand, I walked over uh, after it was over, and I said, "I apologize. I think I did more harm to your cause than good." You know, because I really wasn't equipped for what was going to come at me. And it wasn't because they were, they just are so good at, you know, coming at the, coming at it from different perspectives. I had one thought, but there were so many other areas where they sought to discredit what I had to say. And, you know, how many have ever been in that position? I got to tell you, it was a daunting thing because I really was not prepared for this. Because I just simply was there to make a statement about what I knew, and uh, they came at me from every angle conceivably to try to undermine what I had to say. You know, they uh, you know they asked me what psychological training I had to make such a a statement. <laughs> you know, I you know the only thing I could think of was I was nuts for sitting there uh, during the whole thing, but. You know, I just say that because, you know, the world is not going to give you a pass. If you're a believer and you're, you're identifying who you are because when, when the, only in the sunlight, then you, you're going to have some problems because the world doesn't give us passes here. 
I mean, when we declare that we are followers of Christ, the world wants proof. And why should they not expect proof? It is unreasonable as, for me as a believer to walk through this life to make a profession that I am a child of God and then to tell other people that they need to have what I have and to assume that they will never question us. They are going to examine us from every conceivable angle. And not only that, the world will try to press us into a mold. And if we don't know who we are in Christ, we are going to be tossed about by so many strange philosophies and doctrines and we're going to be swept up into this and caught up into that and knocked down by that. And you know, church, we've got to stand strong on one foundation. We have to be centered in Christ. Centered in Christ. Christ cannot be a peripheral part of our lives. He has to be the foundation of our life, our faith, and all other parts of our existence here. So God says, uh, who God says that I am? Who is it that God says that you are? If you want to know the answer to that, the best place to look is the Scripture. Amen? The Bible. The Bible really provides us with an understanding of who we are. Uh, and we're going to talk in a moment about who He is. But who, are, who am I? Who does God say that I am? The devil wishes to defeat professing believers with a defeated view of ourselves. You know, and, and there's examples that we look at here, the grasshopper syndrome. How many have ever been afflicted with the grasshopper syndrome? You know, the, the life looks so big and we feel so small that, you know, we see ourselves as grasshoppers, you know, like the, the spies did when they went through the land uh, spying it out. And you know, that, that defeated mindset really goes all the way back to Adam because, you know, when Adam, uh, he partook of the fruit that he had been forbidden to take uh, part of, his, his statement was, uh, well, the woman you gave me. You know, the, the idea or the notion that he was put in a very, that God placed him in a place of vulnerability because he gave him a woman is twisted, right? The woman was given as a, as a helpmeet, a companion in life. And when Adam fell, he points to the woman and says, it's her fault. And in essence, what is he saying? He's saying, God, it's your fault because you gave her to me. That doesn't work so well today, does it? I mean, if you blame your wife, you might not, might not fare as well. But, you know, when you think about it, God doesn't want us to be whiny. Come on, church. Why would we be whiny? You know, oh, you know, the government's going to do this. They're going to do that. You know, Russia's going to do this. Ukraine's going to do that. You know, Biden's going to do this, and they're going to do that. You know what? They don't define who I am. I mean, come on, church. Let's wake up. We walk around whining and complaining and fear-mongering, and we sound like all the unbelievers in the world who are looking for the world to self-destruct. You know, we're not victims. Come on. We're not, that doesn't mean we've never been victimized. 
Uh, that, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. But we're not victims. Let's stop living like victims. How many of you say, church, in your life, you say, it's time for me to stop living as a victim? You know, I, I like this scripture in Hebrews eleven twenty four. It says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You, you, there's, that is so powerful because you have Moses here. It says in the word that he, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, as a believer, may we refuse to be, uh, be, get, receive the identity that the world would place upon our lives. You know, there's a difference between the sacred and the secular. How many know that? There is, the, there, the, there is light and there is darkness. And we're not one foot in the dark and one foot in the light. That's not who we are. We can't talk out of both sides of our mouths as we go through this life. You know, we've got, we've got to have a, a true word. There can't be ambiguity as to who we are and what we believe and who we know we are in Christ. We can't have this identity crisis in our lives. The years of oppression had shaped Gideon's perception of who he believed himself to be. And not only he, but the whole lot of people were living in fear. They had been subjected to, this, uh, to, the, uh, to the fruit of their own rebellion. All of this happened because of their rebellion. You know, Midian and all of the other hordes that took the place that they did in Israel and, and really put Israel uh, under the weight of oppression, all of this was directly traced back to the fact that they went after other gods when God said, don't. So when you look at it, they brought upon themselves this oppression, they opened the door. They became vulnerable because of their oppression. And yet God is so gracious that when they called out, he raised up, he wrote, you know, there was raised up a prophetic voice that spoke to the nation and gave them hope. And in, in this specific area, there was an angel that, angel of the Lord appeared to a man named Gideon. And Gideon was called by God a mighty man of valor. I want to say to you today, maybe, maybe you're living in fear. Maybe you're trying to be like the world. You know, we've got to stop studying how we can be like the world and really allow God to transform us into who he wants us to be. We're very proficient at, at searching out and identifying what the world is. And I understand there's a need to know your, your mission field. But our mission field does not, you know, we're not, we're not shaped by anything that this world has, we are being transformed. There is a spiritual... Tra How many of you are being transformed today that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Come on, church. Your mind is being renewed by God. It's not being pressed into this mold of defeat and despair and unbelief and godlessness and lovelessness and faithlessness. Our minds are covered. We are wearing the helmet of salvation. How many you got your head covered today? When the world is dumping all of this stuff you know, on our lives, we have to have our minds covered and protected. You know, who is it that God says that we are? 
Well, you know, I'm going to share a few scriptures with you as to who God says, because, you know, I can say a lot of things about me. We can sell ourselves. You know, we can dress it up really nice. And, I, and I've said this, and this really doesn't sound very nice, but how many know that if, if, if you put a dress on a pig, it's still a pig, right? You know, we're not, we're not being cosmetically changed here. We're being fundamentally changed at the deepest level of who we are daily, being brought forth in the image of Christ. You know, and that, that really shows itself to the world. It shows itself to the world. I got to tell you, I've had people who have made it very clear from the onset, and I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about other opportunities of ministry that they did not like me. How many know that sometimes there's just people that are very good at letting you know that they don't like you? And you know what? There are going to be, it's hard to fathom, but there are going to be people who don't like you and they don't like me, right? How many of you can't conceive of any reason why people wouldn't like you? Well, I'll give you a very good, easy one. It's because if you live for Christ, that spirit that dwells in you is in conflict with the spirit of the world. And, you know, so, you know, my wife, I tell her, you know, this person makes it very clear they don't like me. They don't like me. And she says, well, it's because you're a believer. You live for Jesus. And you know what? I got to tell you, I've seen something happen. I didn't, over the course of time and dealing with one particular individual, you know, I just, I just pour out as much kindness as I can. I'm not, not into flattering people. I'm not trying to manipulate people. I'm not into that game. But I, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak words of encouragement, words of life, words of appreciation, regardless of what's coming back, because I'm not going to be pressed into that mold. I'm not going to fight evil with evil. We're going to overcome evil with what? Good. That's what the Scripture says. Overcome evil with good. And that should be, that should be an outgrowth of who we are as Christians. And i got to tell you, I have seen a dramatic change. And, you know, it's just it's amazing to me how God, if you just live who you profess to be and don't get down in the mud, this is not a day for Christians to be in the mud, right? Slinging mud at each other and slinging mud at the world. i got to tell you, I am so sick of politics. I've had my fill of it up to here. You know, we as Christians, we are under a theocracy, right? Who's the head of this thing today? It's God who's the head of this thing. Come on, church. How many of you live? People say, well, who do I vote for? Here's all I'm going to say to you. Here's how you vote. Vote your values as a Christian. If you do that, you don't need me to tell you who to vote for. Live this life as a citizen of heaven above all the other allegiances and alliances that you will have. Live your life because your life and your, your identity and your life is an outgrowth of the constitution of God's Word. Anyhow, amen. I'm failing again on these out. I'm trying to do really good. I'm sorry. 
But I'm not a tight, I can't tighten it down all the time, but, uh, you know, somehow we'll get there. If we as believers think about ourselves merely in view of our abilities or by comparison to other people, we will never, hear this, we will never operate in faith and obedience. If we live our lives constantly in, uh, and we, we only step forward when the comparisons are favorable to us and we only step forward when we feel like we can manage the situation uh, on our own, we will never walk in faith and obedience. And that, that, that is the hallmark of the church, walking in faith and obedience to the Lord. We are led by the Holy Spirit. How many here are truly living a life that's led by the Holy Spirit? You know, I'm not, you know, I'm just saying, how many of us are truly walking lives that are led by the Holy Spirit? How many of us are walking and, you know, we wear all these hats in life and we do all these things, but how many know that before any other thing, you are a child of God? You're a child of God. And that one central part of your identity is the main cog in your life. Everything else that you do in life will be shaped by the fact that you are a child of God. Every relationship that you seek out will be there because you are a child of God. It's not a secondary consideration. When God's people have a wrong view of themselves, there is always, uh, there is always a moment of confrontation. I believe that. When you move along with a wrong identity, God will allow some things to happen that will cause us to really make a decision about that. You know, here, the angel of the Lord confronts Gideon. You know, Gideon's threshing wheat in a wine press. Usually they threshed wheat on the highest part so that the wind would blow the chaff away. He's in the lowest part because he's trying to conceal that, that what he's doing there and be able to salvage enough for his family. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and, 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 and he calls him out. And there's that moment. Today's a moment. I'm telling you here, I didn't come just to have church. I didn't come here to play. How many say I didn't come just to punch my, my church time card in? I'm here because I want to I wanna experience God. I want to lay whatever I need to do, lay down so that I can become everything that God has purposed me to be. But there was that moment when God confronts Gideon and he says, he sends the angel of the Lord and he says, you are a mighty man of valor. And God is speaking that into this church today. And I'm going to ask you, I don't care where you are. I don't care what your experience, I do care, but not in the context of that. I don't care what it is, God is speaking to you today that it's time for you to be that mighty person of courage and boldness. Come on, church. Not timid, not, not walking around trying to be politically correct, not trying to do the dance. You know what? I'm in, I'm not into the woke. I'm not into the political correctness. You know, church, if you are, you need to get out of it and get centered into who Christ has called you to be. Living like the world. You know, you had this, uh, well, a few years back, the, the, these, these goofballs that, that, excuse me, Lord, that's not a good word to use on Sunday morning, but they, they, they didn't like the outcome of the election, so you're giving college kids uh, Play-Doh to kind of therapy. You know, throw your Play-Doh away. I used to eat that stuff as a child, but anyhow, 
I don't need Play-Doh. I don't need coloring books. Church, we need people in the church who are sound of mind, centered in Christ, who know who they are, and they're walking in the authority of Christ, not running around trying to find some brand new technique to deal with stress. You know, we look more like idiots every day. You say, well, that's cruel. No, it says that they professed to be wise and they became fools. That's what we see, you know. That's what we're seeing today. We're seeing people, we can't be pressed into that mold. We cannot. Your values have to be shaped by Christ, who you are. You're a believer, a child of God, unapologetically a follower of Christ and His Word. Well, anyhow, I'm going to try to get on. In Joshua, Caleb's day, you know, God purged a whole generation. He had to get rid of them all. He wiped them all. He allowed them all to die in the wilderness because they weren't fit to advance. They were infecting one another with this doubt and fear. And they were all, and, and the ten that came back and injected this generation with this grasshopper syndrome, they had to go. They wouldn't be part of this thing. And you know, sometimes, you know, if we're not going to move with God, God will remove us. You say, what do you mean? Well, when I read what the Lord said to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, He didn't mince any words. Oh, God never says anything hard. That's not true. That's a lie. He speaks the hard truth, but He gives us grace. Moses' uh, crisis at the, uh, of confidence, it was met at a, with a burning bush. So, you know, today, today could be that turning point when you're threshing wheat in a wine press and, and, and you're saying, God, who am I? Well, you know, here's who I am. I am a child of God. I know that. I have been born of the Spirit to as many as believed and received Him. To them, He gave the power to become what? Sons of God. How many are here a child of God today? I mean, you are a child of God. I mean, that comes first. That's not, that's not like, it doesn't find a lower place on your resume. That's the first thing. That is the first thing about who he is our first love, not second love. We love God with all of our heart, and then we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. You know, but you got to, he has to be first. People say, how can I love God first? And I, I, I thought I was supposed to love my wife first. I got to tell you, I love my wife with all my heart. But unless I love God more than her, I can't love her the way God wants me to love her. So let's clean up that thought for a moment. I am free. As a child of God, I am free from all previous claims on my life. Come on, church. How many know that when Jesus set you free, you have been set free from every false claim that was ever made over your life? You know, people saying you will never be, you'll always be this. And you begin to identify, you know what? I am glad today that God justified me the moment I gave my life to Him. He brought me out from condemnation and He brought me into a place of justification in Christ. Stop walking and carrying this guilt around and this, this ball and chain that says, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a whatever you are. I'm going to tell you, you need to wash that out. 
and say, I am a child of God. Aren't you glad for that? I'm not going to walk around here and say, hey, here's my tag. This is how you know who I am. I was a pathological liar. How many say, I'm not a pathological liar anymore. I've been sanctified, set free. How many truly believe that God changes people's hearts? Oh, they have to go through this uh, 10-step course, and they have to do that to really become a new child. You have to, we have to grow, yes. Be discipled in the faith, yes. But understand this. God truly does change hearts and minds, and He really makes us new creations, right? But we are new in Christ to be grown and, and developed through our relationship with Christ. And in His Word, grow and be discipled. But how many of you understand today that, you know, I, I say this. Um, there are, you know, there are people who are always looking to... Now, understand this. Here's, here's the difference I have. There are false claims that have been made over your life. You've been told things. You've been told things. But you are not those things in Christ. Come on, church. You've been set free. You've been bought with a price. Come on. I know who I am because I've been bought with a price. I've been born again. Every false claim that has ever been made over my life, every bondage that's ever held me back, I've been set free. Romans chapter 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Come on, church. How about an amen to that? For our old self was crucified with him. Who we were before we came to Jesus has been put to death. How many are glad for that? Oh, well, this isn't deep enough for me. Well, I got to tell you, it is for me. With him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we are no longer slaves to sin. How many here, you, you, you look back and you, you see the chains that are laying behind you? Oh, I'm always, I've always been this and I'm always going to be that. Stop saying that. Stop saying that. Well, they taught me that I'm always going to be this and I'm always going to. You know, on some level, you may always have struggles. But as per your identity, you are a new creation in Christ, and you have to let that be the foundation of where you go. I'm going to ask Tammy to come. I probably knocked, blown this whole. I'll tell you what, and uh, I, you know, some people don't understand me. You know, I got to tell you, I don't understand me. But, you know, there are times when I come in and I just feel God directing and leading things. I don't even really, I really prefer never to have an outline put up. Just one, put the name of my message in the scripture because I, I, I make a mess of it for everybody. I appreciate Amy does it, does a great job. Diane does it, and then I mess it all up. But I'm speaking to your spirit today. I'm speaking from the Spirit today. 
And I want to say to you as, as a child of God, knowing who you are in Christ, you know, Gideon had to be awakened to who he was in Christ. You know, we pray over this community and we're going to, but do you know when you go to the community, do you know who you are? You're an ambassador of Christ. You're a child of God. I'm not defeated. How many know God bought you? Here's Galatians 3.13. Next week, I'm going to get on to uh, Diane. I'm going to get on to the second half of this next week, okay? As to who God is. That's the best part of all, who God is. But here I know I am the purchase of God. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. I am led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. You know what? I am led by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to say that with me if you would. I am led by the Holy Spirit. I am led by, I'm not led by the spirit of the world. I'm not following after the world. The world's not defining me. The world's not guiding me. You know, I've come to a certain thought process, and that is that we don't need more Republicans, and we don't need fewer Democrats. We need more men and women of faith men and women of God. And if we spend our time focusing on that and pouring into people that could be raised up to be men and women of God, we wouldn't have to talk about all this stuff all the time. Romans says, 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children. I am chosen in Christ. Come on, how many can say that with me? I am chosen in Christ. I am chosen. I'm not an accident. You know, maybe your mom and dad or your brother or sister told you you're an accident. But I'm going to tell you, you are not an accident in the family of God. You are not an accident in the family of God. You are chosen in Christ. It says, but you are a chosen people. That means all of us. The, 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 the oldest, the youngest, the wealthiest, the poorest, the smartest, the most challenged. Everybody in the body of Christ is part of a chosen generation. We are part of a royal priesthood. Come on, church. We are part of a royal priesthood. Our lives are lived in ministry unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We serve Him as a royal priesthood. Come on, church. you got to know this stuff. This is what the church has done. The church, wherever churches are closing and receding into the darkness, they have forgotten these things. And they've tried to become so politically correct, so socially plugged in, that they have missed the fact that God is calling us to do what Josh has said. We need to be praying, seeking God on a daily basis, not once a week, but seven days a week seeking out the heart of God a holy nation we're not going to put on the filthy garments of the world because Jesus gave us a robe of righteousness he, did, he, he took off the rags of sin and death 
and condemnation and we laid them aside. So why in the world would we want the world's robes of filth and depravity? He says you're a special possession. Hallelujah, I'm a special possession. I'm going to just tell you this. You know, I had my grandkids around, our grandkids, uh, Robin and, you know, our kid, grandkid. And I took the oldest one because, you know, he's kind of struggling. He, I heard him say some things that I wanted him to know that weren't true. And he said, no one likes me. He says, I don't have any friends at school. And I just, I grabbed them and said, you've got a friend said you got you got me I love you and I squeezed him and I said you know if anybody's mean to you tell them your your path will come find them I did I said you can tell them I have others in the backyard but anyhow I hugged him and I said you know don't tell your other don't tell your brothers or your cousins this I said, but you're my favorite. And you say, how could you tell him that? Because I tell all of them that. And I held him for a little bit and I said, you're my favorite. I love you and God loves you. God loves you. You, God loves you. You belong to him. God loves you. I love you. And you know something he needed to know? Because I don't want him getting older in life and feeling that and letting that guide his reckless search to try to find out who he is and where he belongs. You know, we have kids that we, we've really got to do that with. And they're going to be out in the world looking for the answers that we could have helped them find early on. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. Almost there. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Come on, church. That can't be just a, an occasional accessory. We've got to be filled to overflow with the Holy Ghost. Filled to overflow, not just a little bit. Because, church, if we're going to live an empowered life, we've got to have the Holy Spirit pouring into us, flowing out of us at every turn. I am an overcomer. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God gives us all that capability to make that difference. I don't care what your sin has been. I've had people tell me over the years, if you knew what I have done, you wouldn't want to be near me. And I got to tell you, honestly, uh, for some odd reason, God just put something in my heart that I, I really didn't care what they had done. Because Scripture says some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You are loved. You are loved. If you don't know this, you're not going to give it to other people. 
because you won't give what you don't believe you have. And I want you to know every person in this room, you are loved with an indestructible love. The Bible says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Come on, church, that deserves an amen. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus the Lord. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord Jesus. Do you know who you are today? Those are just a few little tidbits. And actually, that wasn't part of my original sermon note. Just God gave gave me some scripture this morning. I want you to know who you are. Your love. Your love. God loves the world with a, with a love that is redemptive. A love that is, uh, is uh, seeking to bring them into relationship. Hallelujah. Lord God, help us today. Lord, we're not being conformed to the image of the world. See, Gideon had to come out of that wine press. He had to come out. Gideon says, oh, I'm nothing. My family's the least of the tribes, the smallest of the tribes. And I'm the, I'm the least in my family. You know something? There, there, there are certain things that have to be defeated. And it's that kind of talk that I'm nothing because I don't compare to other people well. I want to tell you, the Bible says that, you know, there's going to come a day where the, the, the first shall be last and the last first. And I know we have all kinds of explanations for that. But I do believe that there are going to be those who were considered to be nothing whom God shows honor to. Kind of like the widow with the two mites, the two coins, threw in all she had. And Jesus was watching. And I'm going to tell you, whatever you do under the Lord today, no one else may ever notice it, but Jesus is watching. Jesus sees it, and it matters to Him. And at the end of it all, you want to hear from the Lord, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of my rest that He gives. Hallelujah, church. Hallelujah, breath of God, blow over this place, blow the chaff out. Lord, we can't get rid of the chaff by hiding in the wine press. Lord, you want to blow away the chaff, we got to get out where the wind is blowing. Lord, the things that need to be separated from our, our, our thoughts of, as to who we are, the way we live. God, we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor. King of kings, Lord of lords, King of glory. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Stop saying that He's going to come one day. He's here. Come on, church. We've got to lay that stupidity down. Get that God is waiting. God is not waiting. God is wanting to move in with authority and power. He is here if we will embrace Him. If we will humble ourselves before the Lord, 
He is already moving. People say God's not moving. That's not true. Because if God wasn't moved, that would mean that He is dead. That there's no life in Him. And God's life and who He is never ceases to do and to be what it is. And we just have to get plugged into it. Hallelujah! King of glory. Come on, church. Can we just do that for a moment? You know, I just felt like I needed to do that a moment. It's been pent up inside. You know, just say, hey, I, I want to shout to the Lord. I want to give Him glory. Give Him honor. Praise the name of the Lord God Almighty, the King of glory. The King of glory. Holy Spirit, fall fresh in this house. Glory, glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Woo. Praise His name. Give Him glory. Hallelujah. I need to, I need to do this. Let, just give me one minute here. I want to invite somebody, someone, some to just step forward. I'm not going to get in, in your face. I'm not going to do anything. But I'm going to ask you, you need to you need to step out of a wine press today. You need to step out. This is a moment of reckoning with the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what I want. Uh, I pray that God will do that. Today will be a day of reckoning. Where, the, where, where we come to the point where we have to decide, are we going to still believe the lies that we have allowed to, to keep us from becoming who it is that God has called us to be, to do what it is He's called us to do, to know Him for who He really is. But I'm going to ask you to, if you say, I'm going to step out literally out of a wine press today, and I'm just going to come to, up with any others that would come and say, I want to be, I, I want to walk free as I have been saved to be free. I want to walk in joy as I've been saved to walk in joy. I want to live in my, my clean, wholesome, spiritual, uh, redeemed well-being that God has given me in Christ. I don't want to walk like this. I'm going to tell you there are people in this room who, who, who are struggling today because you're trying to to, to discover something about yourself. You're frustrated because you feel like you don't really have uh, any real identity or purpose. You, and, you, and you're looking at people and you're looking at people and you're looking at things and you're trying to find something there that is, you're never going to find. It's only going to lead you into a deeper frustration. And God says, hey, I, 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 I've been here all along. And I, I, I give you identity. In me, you will find your purpose. You won't have to find it. It will reveal to you by the, be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you if you just come. You say, hey, the church is a little longer. You know, I, I'm, doing a nursing, I'm doing a nursing home ministry when I leave here today. So I, I have to be cognizant of time myself. But I want to say, say to you today, can you, can you afford a few moments? You know, we're going to pray over a community that needs Jesus. But, you know, if we're praying for them to walk in freedom and in life, you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to be doing that. We've got to know who we are. 
So I'm going to ask you if you just join with me. Uh, you know, you're not going. I'm not. You know, I'm just going to say, it, I believe that God wants you to acknowledge this and to step out of the wine press. He's saying you are a mighty person of courage. You're a mighty, 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 mighty man or woman of courage. And you've been believing something less than that. You've been living beneath that standard. And God is saying today, today, today the angel of the Lord, so to speak, is coming your way and he's calling you out. You got to decide. You got to decide. I'm going to invite you. We're going to sing this song. And you say, we've been here a long time. Yeah, I preach long sermons. And I, I don't stay on, on, on the, uh, the outlines very well. But I got to tell you, I believe that God has spoken something into your heart that you needed for today. And you know it. And that's what you have to respond to. Not all the other things. But you know God is speaking into your heart right now. So we're going to sing this. I want to invite you to come. And just as an acknowledgement that i got to step out of this. I'm not staying here. I've been living beneath the standard that God has called me. I've been living looking for who I am. But he's already given me. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.